Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome to another episode of the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! 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 Oh. Somebody's, oh. Phone's, somebody's phone's buzzing. Yeah, somebody pick up their phone for God's sake. That, that was me. Yeah, yeah, I had a feeling. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> back, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Geek Buddies this week. Uh, brought to you by the great people at Carbon Health, a power and sponsor here at the Outlaw Nation. Oh, there you go. If you want to. Go get some health care taken care of. Please head over to CarbonHealth.com. they got 100-plus locations across the United States, 50-plus locations in California alone, virtual care, in-person care. If you need tests for COVID or whatever, so the numbers are rising. So they are offering great test packs at your local clinic that you can get for a good price. Uh, uh, but if you want to go get tested there, you can do that as well. They've done over 2 million tests. And please download the apps. You can find the local, local Carbon Health place near you. Um, all right, let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roca, joined as always by these two gentlemen, uh, Michael. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies, and I am a mess right now. I'm a phone ringing. I'm spilling things all over the place. Oh, guys, it's a, it's a week. It's a week. It's a week, all right. Shannon McClung, how are you, Shannon? I'm okay, Johnny. This is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Silicon Valley, and the Goldbergs, and the new show that's going to come out this fall called Butterfingers. It's weird that I'm the one that's going to be in that. (laughs) Written and produced by Shannon McClung. Michael Is that your Diet Coke? Do you need some more Diet Coke to make it through the show? Just listen, everybody. Just keep going. Just keep rolling. We're doing it live. Yeah, we're doing it live. No, we're not doing it live, but you can go get the Coke if you want as we're going through this. But uh, for those of you who are new to the Geek Buddies, thank you so much for taking a chance on our show. For those of you who have been coming back every week, thank you so much for staying fans of our show. The way it works is that each of us brings up a geek news item once we finish wiping up the Diet Coke off our, co- off our desks, and we talk about it amongst ourselves for your entertainment and your pleasure. Then we take a quick break and jump into our main topic. And our main topic, of course, is Thor Love and Thunder, that show that dropped on Monday during the NBA playoffs. 
finally showing us Gore the God Butcher, a little more with Natalie Portman, and some uh, random Eastern European accent from uh, Russell Crowe, I think, uh, to talk, to talk, we're going to talk about all of that and even some of the Easter eggs through the trailer as well in our main discussion. So, uh, but Michael Vogel, you start us off. What do you got? Well, I got a really wet desk right now. But in addition to that, uh, you know, we are about to dive into the next season of Stranger Things. And from all reports, we are diving in to a whole heck of a lot of yeah. Stranger Things. Uh, everyone has a lot of thoughts on these run times that are coming out. Now, usually we get really excited about longer run times. Like usually when it comes to these Marvel shows or these Star Wars shows, we get really upset and the, you know when they're not giving us a lot, we always want a little bit more, but Stranger Things is really giving it to us. Um, the first six episodes are all more or less the same. They're about an hour and 15 minutes or so. Um, episode seven, hour and 38 minutes. Episode eight, hour and 25 minutes. And then episode nine, a whopping two hours and 30 minutes. Episode nine is almost as long as Avengers Endgame. So <laughs> that is one hell of a finale. <clears throat> now, as someone, as one of my friends said on Twitter, I don't know why they didn't think that there was maybe some place in episode nine where they could maybe cut it in half and give us an episode 10, but apparently this is the way they're rolling it out. Uh, it's a lot a lot of split opinions. Some people are thrilled. Some people are like the more the merrier. Some people are feeling those last couple, particularly episode nine, a little excessive. Um, I, uh, you know, proof is in the pudding for me, but what do you guys think? I think it's great. I love the idea of getting more Stranger Things. Hey, if you're wrapping up the series, Let's not leave any stone unturned. What have been the big complaints about Lost and about Game well, of There's Thrones? another season after this, isn't there? I, I mean, this there's, is, there's, there's one, one, more. This one is, more. Yeah, this isn't wrapping up the series. This well, is just... Okay, fair enough. So then maybe we're losing some characters? I just have a feeling we're not going to have the same amount going into the next season. I think some people are moving on, going to college, what have you. These are all... I mean, did you see Millie Bobby Brown? That ain't an 11-year-old girl anymore, ladies and gentlemen. That is a woman coming out on the red carpet. She is stating her case. Uh, like, don't look at me as a little girl anymore. I am a woman now. So you're seeing them change and progress and grow. in Wolfhard, Matarazzo, all of them just changing and growing. And so maybe coming back to play these kids. But maybe in the ninth season they come back and it's a kind of a more adult approach to horror. That's certainly possible here because certainly here in the, 19, the 1980s vibe that you're getting from this season of uh, Stranger Things is a little more mature than we've gotten before. So this is going to be interesting to see. But the longer run times... I kind of like that means you can cover everything. The big complaints, as I was saying earlier about um, Game of Thrones and about uh, um, Lost was they didn't address everything and they kind of sped through everything. And yes, there was, those were final seasons, but either way, you didn't address everything. And I feel like with this extra runtime, they're going to address everything. If by the end of this runtime and all these episodes, there's something left on the table that they didn't quite address or fully flesh out, that's an issue. So he, I, I like that we're getting these runtimes and get to sink into less episodes, more runtimes. I'm cool with that. Uh, Shannon? I think this is what we all wanted going into the last season of Game of Thrones. This yeah. is something that we would have looked at and been like, oh, fantastic. Um, the crazy thing ab about it is, go like, obviously, a two-and-a-half-hour finale yeah. for any series. Like, that's, that's huge. That's yeah. massive. The fact that there is about 600 minutes of story before that is is. <laughs> 
pretty insane. Um, you know, Stranger Things is one of those shows that, you know, my my wife and I, we would watch at night. And by the end, we're both get we're we're both starting to doze a little bit. Mm. Um, so <laughs> as as all of these episodes get a little bit longer, I feel like there's going to be a lot of two part viewing starting in the evening and finishing first thing in the morning but you know what i mean maybe I thought... maybe for you grandpa <laughs> oh really are we really gonna ding me for falling asleep during television oh, look, sir I've, i, uh, I watched seasons with you <laughs> i've already noticed that my texts after 9 30 don't get returned till the next morning i've already noticed the uh the the early uh, sleep time of shannon mcclung well, sure, but also Michael Vogel has perfected the the Midwestern dad. Oh, just rest of my eyelids, just rest of my eyelids. He's been doing that for ten years. It's the nodding. Listen. It's the nodding. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm watching. I'm watching. <laughs> but that being said, I thought the third season of Stranger Things um, was really, really great. I mean, I I was kind of mixed on season two, and obviously, I really like season one. So I think they've got you know really they've got really exciting places to go in terms of storytelling. And judging by the runtimes, they clearly have a lot of real estate. So yeah, stranger, stranger, longer things apparently. Well, yeah, we'll see. Sometimes, sometimes I think uh, given given the runway to tell all the story you want, maybe sometimes you tell a little too much story. Uh, kind of early buzz is seeing that like maybe things get a little too meandering. So it'll just be interesting to see. Like, is this going to be holy shit? They absolutely needed all that real estate. That was an epic story. Or are we going to get done with it and be like, this was really great. Could have cut some stuff out and gotten it down. It'll be interesting to see, but I'm definitely stoked. Uh, I am. I am very anxious to dive into another season. I, I've loved all three seasons, so I'm. I'm on board and ready to rock. It feels like <laughs> we, it's been around longer than three seasons, doesn't it? It just feels it like it's part of our pop culture life for quite some time. Maybe because there's such a gap between the seasons that it feels like it's been around longer than three seasons. But I don't know if you guys got a chance to see those first eight minutes that dropped uh, last week. I think on Friday of last week, um, they were great. I mean, a great eight minutes that lets you know that. This is going in a very strong, mature direction. There was a lot of blood and gore in those eight minutes. And uh, there was a de-aged 11, which I thought I'd never, I haven't seen a de-aged into a child type thing. I mean, uh, that's been weird to see. There's some de-aging in the second season of Only Murders in the Building. And that's a little rough to watch at times. So de-aging a child, a teenager back to a child. That was some interesting uh, stuff to see for sure. So I'm, I'm curious to see how much more deeper they're going to go. And I like that in those first eight minutes, we got to see um, uh, Matthew Modine's character, Kitridge. Oh, no, not Kitridge. That's, that's, that's impossible. <laughs> I forget the doctor's name, but like we got to see him from a different point of view than we saw him in season one, which I thought was great. Oh, thank you, honey. All right. I got my own Diet Coke here. My own Diet Coke delivery service. Thank Hold you. on to it. Hold on to it tightly. Anyway. <laughs> I've got the mugger beer stein. Hello. All right. <laughs> anyway, so I, I'm I'm very excited to see the extra runtime and what more we're going to get um, if it goes down the style that we saw in the first eight minutes. Did you guys get a chance to see them? I didn't I, see I, it. I wanted I, I wanted to wait. I deliberately <laughs> I deliberately avoided it. Um, yeah, I'm curious if we're going to get the Scoops Ahoy origin episode and how oh, it ultimately yeah. connects. <laughs> how it ultimately connects that. to the upside down. <laughs> I forgot about the scoops away. Is there anything? I don't know. We got. Let's do a couple more minutes. Is there anything you guys want to see from this season that you've seen teased in the trailers or that you've been like waiting to see besides the scoops away episode, the bottle episode of scoops away? Is there anything you guys are looking forward to seeing here in this new season? 
Well, I think the fact that they've actually, based off of that teaser, I mean, they've given a, a face to a upside down big bad. Um, because in the past, it's always been it's always been the creatures. It's been you know the 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 dogs and and you know the the flowerhead people, which I'm the name is escaping me right now. But the fact that you actually have a a face face for your supernatural villain rather than just like. Uh, you know Matthew Modine or or you know the other scientists. I mean the fact that you ha- you will have what is in storytelling a big bad. It seems um, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I'm just excited about seeing like you know where these characters are going. As you said, you know they're getting older. Uh, it's not you can't really hide that. And so just seeing how the story uh, evolves around that, where the story is taking them. Um, you know, I mean, when they when this show started out, to your point, like we've had like bigger gaps between it and they were all just little kids and they're all growing up. And so, you know, knowing that this is the season before the final season, just sort of seeing what this sets up and seeing where they land on all this. I think they've done such a great job of kind of taking this thing that a lot of people looked at as sort of just like, a, oh, well, it's all nostalgia. It's all the retro stuff and really building this compelling story. So seeing them sort of take through the season and then stick, hopefully stick the landing in the final season. Like I don't have anything specific, but I'm just really each season. I'm always curious about them maintaining that balance of that sort of classic eighties childhood innocence with the horror that they're building into it like it's a it's a balancing act and they've you know some people feel like season two they didn't quite maintain that but most people feel like with season one and season three they did so i'm just curious to see where they go oh john i'm also curious to hear you because you are on mute sorry i didn't want to have you hear the diet coke mic and torture i i i I, i'm more uh kind of uh, focused on the relationships and how they're changing you know, we see, um, you know, one of the kids playing basketball. We see the other two kids, the nerds cheering on as he's becoming an athlete. What are the divisions that happen there? You know, we've all gone through those progressions where, like, we're all friends in middle school or we're all friends in elementary school. And then all of a sudden things start to change and go in different directions. I want to see how they navigate that and how authentic that feels. And if they are presenting that storyline just as a kind of occasional thing that uh, distracts one of them or if they're opening that storyline up to have really discussions about growing up about aging out of these times about having different interests about other things coming in girlfriends boyfriends what have you things of that nature so all of that starts to open up and i want to see more of the family life for all of them and how that how all the stuff that they've been doing because at times you watch the strange things and you're like who are the parents of these kids they keep they keep getting away going away for long stretches of time for doing stuff I want to see more of that kind of come into the mix here and see what more like real world issues they tackle amidst all the madness of the upside down. That's crazy. Crazy Winona Ryder. That's one of the parents. (laughs) Oh, and David Harbour. What's Harbour's whole role in all of this too out there in Russia? What's that all about? So just really fun to see them all being in separate areas and kind of slowly uh, migrating towards each other for one. Do you imagine at the end of the seven episodes, they'll have all come together and then the last two episodes of them taking on the huge thing. Is well, isn't it the, isn't it the first? They're really part one is the first six episodes, and part I thought two, it was first seven. It, is it the first is, seven? Well, Mikey presented the story, so I, I defer to Michael on this. I believe it's six, and then it's seven, eight, nine. I'm not 100 percent sure, okay. but I believe it is. Uh, yeah, one through six, and then we get a seven, eight, nine in the back okay. end. So then, by, by the six, then maybe they're all coming together, and then the back end is all through is all 
And all the payoff. Yeah, the payoff, which should be fun. But all in game. All in Stranger <laughs> Things in game. Six hour end game. Um, <laughs> and I think it has more runtime than any of the series before. So that's going to be a lot to cover for sure. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on to our second uh, story here. And this has to do with Black Panther 2. Um, certainly we reported uh, months ago on the situation there with uh, uh, Letitia Wright, but it seems like everything's been squared away. Letitia Wright's now promoting it, saying it's going gonna, it's gonna to do real um, honor uh, and respect to Chadwick Boseman, uh, this uh, uh, sequel. But one of the things that people that have come out is it comes out is it has come out rather is that uh, Tenoch Huerta is uh, going to be a part of this uh, series and is going to be playing Namor, the Submariner. And this is coming from a number of sources from the Illuminati, from uh, the, the direct um, and they revealed that Huerta would be playing uh, uh, Namor, but with a twist, uh, because uh, Namor is from Atlantis, uh, but they're actually going to base this Namor around the Mayan culture instead of ancient Greece. And there were supposed there are supposedly two Mayan warriors who were going to be cast as well as Zianya and Cadmael. And uh, Zianya was revealed to be played was revealed to be Namora, who is the cousin of Namor, and that's going to be played by Mexican actress Mabel Cadena. Um, and this is what we're going to see kind of replace the Atlantis origin story. It's going to be a Mayan origin story. And there was even a picture. In fact, I'll bring it up here as I'll share my screen so that people can take a look at what they are envisioning for Black Panther here. This is, oh, I'm sorry, for Namor. This is what you essentially very much kind of that feeling of being a Mayan warrior um, and even being from under the water. So very interesting approach to this. Let's stop there just with the initial reaction. What do you gentlemen think about them changing the origin of Namor to be more of a Mayan based thing? It was great. I mean, it's connected to Mexico, connected to Latino Hispanics. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it, but was this their way out of kind of connecting or being compared to Aquaman, even though apparently it's going to be a human dad and a, uh, underwater mom uh did you do you guys like this move uh overall well in terms of like namor's backstory like i i know i know the broad strokes um like i didn't know that he like like the human dad atlantean mom that was always that was always arthur curry that was always right. aquaman so the right. fact that they changed it to that like it, it you know I, I i don't care about the the background of that okay. um change like if if changing the ancient ancient greeks to the ancient mayans if that serves the story fantastic mm -hmm. i think that's super cool um and, and i feel like that's not the first time that that's been done with atlantis mm -hmm. i mean i feel like the disney animated atlantis like they didn't um it, it wasn't outright like th these were the mayans but i feel like the atlantean alphabet it definitely looks more it looked more mayan than ancient greece to me mm -hmm. um so i think that change makes sense and also with the with like the mayans you know you have sort of the mysterious decline of the mayans yeah. like in actual history tying that to atlantis to me i think that's in terms of storytelling i think that's a really that's a cool that that's cool fertile ground mm -hmm. um but ultimately you know we won't be able to say until it, until it comes out i mean based off of that uh that uh artist rendering yeah. um i think he looks cool <laughs> i mean <laughs> I, I i'm i'm excited to see what uh where it looks like uh it, you know in real life dressed up as dressed up as namor i mean all the changes like you know they're they make changes for for the properties to be for the mcu for the films i mean these are not direct interpretations of the comic book they, they take what they want they take what they need right. and they sort of jerry-rig it to the story that they're telling so ultimately you know we yeah. won't know for sure until the movie comes out but 
on appearance, I think it's I think those are cool ideas. Well, they changed Black Panther's origin story, right, Michael? And the and the and we're going to see some changes to Ms. Marvel and her powers coming up real soon. Uh, and they're even moving the kingdom of Atlanta, what will be the kingdom of Namor, to further west in the Atlantic Ocean, so right. making it closer, in essence, to Wakanda uh, on the Marvel map. So to speak. Yeah, I mean, like, like for Marvel and DC in the comics, like Atlantis is kind of Atlantis, and it's kind of I don't want to say interchangeable. Like, there's definitely different details, but they both sort of, you know, there's that whole thing that happened in comics where we get, you know, we got a Hawkeye, we got a Green Arrow, we got a Aquaman, we got a Namor. Like, there's always sort of the counterpoints, and so I think doing things to make it more different and unique for the MCU totally makes sense. Uh, will it work or will it not work? It's kind of the same as Miss Marvel's powers. Like, we're not going to know until we see it. You know, I think that. What we do know is that when Marvel does decide to like double down and make something comic books accurate, they know how to do it really well. So when they deviate from that, yeah. it's not because they're afraid of going down that road. Like they've gotten into some pretty weird to like they gave us a talking raccoon and a talking tree long time before anybody you know <laughs> knew that they could pull that off. So True. they're not afraid to go down that comics accurate road. So whenever they do deviate, usually they have a good reason. And uh, you know, I, I think that I'm really curious. You know what I'm curious? Like for me, the most defining trait about Namor more than anything else is that he's an arrogant dick. And so for me, like, I just hope he's an arrogant dick. Yeah. Like that's, that's like my main thing. Like that as like, as long as Namor hits those personality traits that I associate with him whenever he shows up, um, whether it be in X-Men or Fantastic Four or in the Illuminati, like that dude, that dude's an asshole. And so I really just hope he's an asshole. Beyond that, wherever that asshole is from, yeah. I am open. <laughs> well, I don't know if you know this or had experience with this, but sometimes Latinos can be quite arrogant dicks. I, it it can happen. So. I wasn't going to say anything, but, you know, in my experience, it felt like, you know, I could see that happening. It, feels like it, was, it felt like it was something that could exist in the universe. But <laughs> that aside, I do like... That uh, Tanish Huerta has been cast. If you guys want to see more of his work, he's in Narcos, Mexico, which I would highly I just started that the other day. Damn, that's a good show. <laughs> so uh, highly recommend seeing more of his work. And I think he's going to bring that aspect, Mike, which is going to make him interesting. And I wonder how much we'll have shades of Killmonger, because Killmonger was a pretty arrogant uh, dick himself, even though, you know, you could sense that there was some right on his side in terms of his frustration and his anger. And I wonder how much of that is going to be the initial um, interactions that anybody from Wakanda has with Namor until, you know, near the end, he becomes somewhat of an anti-hero, I imagine, by the end of that movie. So going to be very fascinating. The Mayan stuff is very interesting. Look, uh, you know, we've seen in Moon Knight and you're going to see in Ms. Marvel, there is, and we saw in Shang-Chi, there is, and Black Panther as well, there is a definite dive into the culture. And now, does it always mean you're going to get it right? No, but for the most part, I feel like they have. And so I hope with this Mayan culture, which is a little more difficult to necessarily connect to a real world or current times, I'm very curious to see how they're going to approach this. Are they going to do broad brushstrokes or are they going to look for more specificity, more stuff that's going to challenge you to go like research it and Google it and find out more about it? Because I'll tell you this, right? I can't say too much about Ms. Marvel, but there is stuff in there where you will probably be motivated to go and research more that it's spoken about just kind of happenstance and whatever but you're going to be motivated to uh, kind of research it a bit more. And I wonder if that's going to happen here as well. And they're bringing on historians who are well aware of the Mayan civilization mm -hmm. and how to make it authentic. 
Well, and I mean, to Shannon's point, I mean, just the, that it that it does sort of sync up with history and the yeah. Mayan civilization sort of disappearing. And just from like the rumors of what we're hearing um, that, you know, that, that this version of Atlantis that's Mayan inspired does kind of get discovered yeah. um, potentially by Riri Williams is something that, you know, some people are reporting in the, yes. in the story and that, you know, Namor approaches Wakanda as they are searching for, whoever's going to be their new leader, whoever's going to be the new T'Challa. Yeah. And it like wants their help in remaining hidden because Wakanda was a hidden place. So I do think that this sort of hidden city that has a culture of its own does tie in very nicely to what we saw of Wakanda in the first movie and Wakanda sort of making those initial steps into stepping out into the world, which we still don't really know where that all lands post Black Panther, because we dove right into Endgame and uh, Infinity War and Endgame. And so we still haven't sort of picked up those threads of like, what is the world like now that people know about Wakanda and then adding another civilization into the mix? Like that that all sounds like really interesting, fertile ground for storytelling. Um, Okay, well, we'll find out soon enough. uh, Black Panther 2 on the horizon here. So we'll see. Uh, as we get closer, when we get a trailer, when we get some more information about the film overall and uh, some first looks at Tenoch Huerta as uh, Namor and some of the other cast members, uh, the new cast members as well. Riri Williams, I think, will be introduced there, right, as Ironheart before the show comes out. So that'll be fun to see as well. Uh, all right, Shannon, take us away, man. What are we on to next? We are going to trailers, trailers, trailers. This is our first espionage theme trailer park. (laughs) (laughs) Starting with um, something that's going to be coming to CBS this fall, I believe. It is the uh, small screen adaptation of True Lies. So this is from Matt Nix, who's the creator of Burn Notice. Mick G directed the pilot. This is, uh, you know, off of uh, James Cameron's 1994 film starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, This one is going to be starring uh, Steve Howey from Shameless and Ginger Gonzaga who is from TBS's Wrecked, and we're going to get to see her in She-Hulk. So we get a, it seems like a pretty straightforward adaptation um, based off of the trailer, and depending on your feelings of network TV, I know some people, like it, it some have viewed it as sort of a dying medium, um, but this does not look like a project that um, they, they skimped on. So gentlemen, what did you all think of our first look at True Lies? <laughs> <Michael>. <laughs> Um, I thought it looked fine. Um, oh. I, I thought it looked okay. Like I, you know, I mean, it, it looks like what we got. This trailer is sort of a cut down of whatever the presentation was at Upfront that was like, you know, here's what the show is. Here's the pilot. So we sort of get a sense of what the pilot is. And to your point, it does kind of follow those beats more or less of the True Lies movie. Um, you know, I love True Lies, the movie. Uh, I think James Cameron, you know, I, like I've said many times, as Avatar 2 has come up, like I would never bet against James Cameron. Um, but I think so much of what James of True Lies' charm is, is in Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis. This feels like a really nice network show. Um, you know, nothing about this like blew me out of the water. Nothing about this was like, oh, this really stands out. And I think to your point, um, in a world of... Stranger Things and Moon Knights and Obi-Wan Kenobi's and all, you know, the stuff that we're getting on Apple Plus, uh, you know, like like in, in, in the wealth of stuff that we're getting through streaming, yeah. a network show has to really, really stand out to get me super excited. And this looked like a perfectly fine CBS network show. <laughs> I'll check it out. It looks cute. But, like, nothing about this really, like, got me excited. Like, oh, true lies on the small screen. I can't wait. I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll see. 
Well, I'm on the other side of this. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. You know, that movie is a little troublesome now looking back on that movie uh, for a couple of reasons. But, you know, I know people love it. It's a great Arnold Schwarzenegger performance. Certainly a lot of fun. There's some great tongue-in-cheek moments there, especially with him and, and Tom Arnold. But I liked the vibe of this. You can tell there's a genuine chemistry and connection between them. Uh, and uh, that's what's really going to sell the show is their connection. All the other stuff is fun and the mystery and the espionage, all that. But once it gets revealed in the trailer that she finds out he's a spy, what you do with that going forward, that's easy to conceal that in or um, contain that in a movie. Carrying that over into episode, 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 it can get old. So I'm wondering how they're going to keep that together. But from what I saw in the trailer, there's a real genuine chemistry and connection. And by the way, Ginger Gonzaga... Strong Latina actress, been working since 2011, a number of projects that she's been involved in. Uh, but she's slowly now, I think with She-Hulk and with this series, going to start getting a little more notice, a little more uh, attention from people. Um, and so that's going to be great. Great for her career. And she looks great in the trailer and gives as good as she gets. And it's a very honest performance, which I like. Now, I didn't see Limitless. I don't know this guy too much, but I liked what shameless. I saw. I, shameless. Uh, shameless. Sorry, shameless. Shameless. I didn't see Shameless either. And I, I, I immediately, <laughs> I immediately uh, liked him. And so I'm actually curious. I don't really go to CBS procedurals much. Um, Scorpion, I think, was the last time I watched a full season of a procedural. Um, but this one seems like I might actually watch. So I like that. Yeah, I mean, as Vogel said, with the with the streaming options that we have now, um, uh, network TV is kind of behind the eight ball because mm -hmm. there are – there are limitations on what you can do with network in terms of content, but also in terms of length. I mean, you know, we were talking about the length of the Stranger Things episodes, yeah. and I don't think in general streamers say do whatever you want. Like there probably are some some guidelines, but for the most part, if an episode comes out to an hour and 38 minutes, it comes out to an hour and 38 minutes. That's not the way it works with network television. I mean, there are times where um, like I'll watch a show that, that I performed on and I'll be like, oh, they cut out when I said, hey, um, because they're literally trimming seconds because they have to fit things in for commercials. And so with those limitations, I mean, broadcast TV, you know, th there, there are challenges with it. That being said, um, what we saw, I mean, I do have an affection for that, for that James Cameron film. Um, and obviously, Steve Howey's not is not Arnold Schwarzenegger um but but what we saw I'm kind of like this is the type of show that I like John I would get I would give a shot to I will definitely watch a couple of episodes do I imagine that I'll be on for the whole season based off of the recent history of network tv probably not but it's something I'm definitely going to give a chance to so they haven't said when it's going to come out I don't think so it could be a mid-season replacement so we either may be seeing it in September or we might be seeing it in January but either way true lies coming to CBS yeah so our second trailer which is something we're going to be getting in just a couple of months here is for Netflix's The Gray Man from not just the Russo brothers but also uh Marcus and McFeely the guys who wrote uh, most of the Russo brothers Marvel films, um, maybe, maybe all of them. And I think they actually wrote Thor. I think there's some of the credited writers on Thor, Thor the Dark World, which John and I love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but this one stars Ryan Gosling. Still sword point in, the, in the Geek Buddies. It's still Ryan Gosling. Still mad about it. <laughs> Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, uh, Roger Jean Page, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, Jessica Henwick. Um, 
this trailer was a little surprising for me. Um, Like definitely, you know, excited. Apparently this is the most expensive movie Netflix has ever done. Um, So yeah, based knowing that, and I think don't like, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure it it is the most expensive Netflix film that, that they've ever produced. Knowing that, in watching what we got, I was uh, a little taken aback. So, but I'll throw it to you, gentlemen, first. What did you all look, think of our uh, first look at the Gray Man? Uh, Mike, please. I am one hundred percent on board, just based on the talent involved. I mean, both both the the actors and actresses in it, but mainly just the Russo brothers and Marcus and McFeely. I mean, like they they to me have defined the tone of the Marvel universe. Like mm. if you look at Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, like that's the bar. Like that is like when you talk about whether something feels like the MCU or doesn't feel like the MCU, that's the bar to me. And it's a solid bar. Like each of those movies, uh, you know, they get excessively bigger or successfully, bi- well, successfully and excessively mm. bigger each time. And they nailed it. And so... I feel like this is a team that really knows the stories they want to tell and can execute on any level that they want to tell it. And that combined with just looking at how much fun Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans look like they're having in the trailer. Like I, you know, I don't really know what makes this movie the most expensive movie that Netflix ever made aside from paying for all that talent. Um, I'm really curious to see where it goes, but just based on the people involved, I'm super excited. Like with the Netflix movies, and we've talked about this, you know, they're hit or miss. They spend a lot of money, put a lot of big names in a movie, and sometimes you're like, yeah, that was not the best movie. Um, But this one, just based on the talent involved, this is the kind of team that I would say, just let them do what they want to do. Let's see what they, let's see what happens. And so we are going to see what happens, but I'm very, very excited. Yeah, I liked it. I didn't know what to expect because I know it was coming after the Mission Impossible trailer. And I was just like, why are you putting this out in the same week? This makes no sense. Let it breathe on its own. But, you know, it's the Russo brothers and it's Chris Evans and it's Ryan Gosling. So, like, any week you put it out, I guess, is a good week. And it got a great response. And I watched it. I really enjoyed it. I didn't do a reaction for this one because I was tired of doing reactions that day. But I liked um, this one. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to kind of sit back and see Chris Evans embracing even more of his inner villain, which is which we got to see in Knives Out, which is fun. Those little moments in Knives Out that he got to be villainous. I, you know, like you know, just screw you, fuck you, and stuff like that. That was fun. So to see him do more of that here in this was great. Um, and somebody pointed out that all it takes is for for a hero to put on a mustache, and all of a sudden he's a villain, and they put Henry yep. Cavill up there and Chris Evans right next to him with the mustache. So I like that we got the requisite uh, Ryan Gosling shirtless shot. Um, having Alfred Woodard in this was really cool to see, and Billy Bob Thornton, who has been kind of lost lately. I mean, on Goliath and whatever, but like not getting into more of the mainstream stuff. So, reminding people that he can play kind of a ruthless guy when he needs to. I like that aspect of it. Aspect of it, and of course, Anna Darmus, who showed us in like ten minutes uh, that she had in No Time to Die how much of a badass she can be. So. Having her do more of that in this trailer was fun with that suit that she's wearing. Um, but I can tell why it's the most. Ex- I mean, if you're looking at either the CGI or the actual real world explosions of those buildings and the train and the plane stuff, I mean, the plane stuff alone looks super expensive. So I can see where the money is. But for the Russo brothers, it's always, when they ventured outside of um, of the Marvel universe, it hasn't always yielded the best results. So. I'm looking forward to it. I want it to be good. So I'm going to hold out hope that it is good. But overall, I didn't see anything here that didn't make me not want to see it for sure. 
Interesting. So yeah, my my take is a little different, and it's not so much that I that well, I think the movie doesn't. It's no, look good. it's no, it's no CBS on True Lies. I mean, let's just let's just put okay. it out there. Um, okay, different. Let's expect- just, just want to be clear. Just want to be clear. Different expectations. <laughs> I think you can take you take that trailer and you remove the Russo brothers' names along with Marcus and McFeely. I think the reaction to this trailer is different. Um, I think the trailer was for me. Um, surprisingly generic. I was like, this looks like a just wow. kind of any other action movie. That's not to say that it doesn't look, it, that the action doesn't look good. I'm like, I just don't know what necessarily makes this different. Now, now I do have a theory is that from the trailer, there is a, there is that Russo brothers, Marcus McFeely humor is trying yeah. to get out. Like you can definitely get that with Chris Evans's character and you can get that with that one line, with that one take that, Ryan Gosling has talked about his ego being hurt. Yeah, yeah. I think I think whoever cut the trailer together, I mean, they were kind of battling tone because I think that this movie probably will be pretty funny and that's not something that they wanted to necessarily highlight right at the beginning because this is a badass action movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, in terms of what our first look, what they were offering, I feel like they may have stumbled out of the gate a little bit. That's not to say that the movie's not going to be good, but based off of the trailer, I was left a little wanting. Now, that being said, am I going to watch this the moment it's available? Yes, because it's actually coming out in theaters for a week. It's going to be yeah. uh, in Ju- on July 15th, and then it'll be out on Netflix the following week. So this will probably be something I'll try to catch in a theater. Um, but yeah, just based off of you know what they gave us initially, I was like, huh. I, huh. I was expecting a little bit more. Whereas True Lies, I had zero expectations. I was like, hey, that, that actually looked kind of fun. So, uh, so, so let me ask you a question. Uh, oh boy, <laughs> you got. You can either go in and watch watch uh, watch the Gray Man, or you can watch the True Lies pilot. What do you watch first? Go in where? Where? Where am I like, going? There's like a, there's like an imaginary like at the Geek Buddies Cinerama. Oh, the Geek, Geek Buddies Cinerama. Uh, you know. Roka serves you some popcorn. I Why get you I a serving? nice. What the fuck? I'm the bartender. I'm oh, the bartender. Of course you're the bartender. You... I'm out here hug popcorn here. Popcorn. <laughs> Roka gives you a nice thing of popcorn out of his little musical cart. I give you a nice uh, a nice whiskey on the rocks, and of you course. can either go into the True Lies Theater or the Gray Man Theater. <laughs> of course, you're going to check them both out, but just based on excitement level that you've shown here, which one do you go into first? You know what? I'm going to go into True Lies because you gave me whiskey on the rocks and i'm not a big whiskey drinker that tells oh. me that the people running the geek bodies geek buddies in Dome <laughs> don't necessarily know their clientele that well so i'm going straight to true lies every single time that you have come over to my apartment in the past year and i say what would you like to drink you go uh, what are you gonna have and i'm like i have some whiskey and you're like yeah, i'm having a little whiskey too <laughs> But that's what that's when I'm in the comfort of your home. It's different when you're out at a hey, theater. <laughs> when you're at the Geek Buddy Cinerama, it's just like being at home. <laughs> By the way, we need to talk to you, Michael, about that. We're uh, our overhead is down. We seem to keep uh, <laughs> losing whiskey bottles. Where are you going to stop letting, adding up, Michael? Stop letting Kalinowski in for free. He's stealing all the whiskey. <laughs> oh, gotta watch those movies we don't want to put um, anyway. so that was the gray man yeah, and now, 
we're getting to the trailer that we've all been wanting to talk about. Yeah. We got to we got our first look at Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. Now this trailer leaked the day before, and I'm ashamed to say that I was like, I thought it was fake. I was just like, oh, this must be a fake trailer. And at the beginning, I'm kind of like, well, this looks whatever fan cut this together, they did a really good job. And then after a minute, I'm like, wait a minute, oh, this is new. This is new. So yes, we got our first look at Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. I know we're all excited to talk about that so i'll throw it to you gentlemen first what did you think of our first look tom cruise returning as ethan hunt shannon as dicaprio oh my god uh yeah i i i I loved it uh what a great trailer and i thought it was going to be different from the cinemacon trailer but it was the same trailer they showed at a cinecon cinemacon but i hadn't seen it since and so it was kind of seeing it all over again and i still enjoyed the hell out of it i love what we're getting here this feels like a more mature confident a better approach to Mission Impossible. And this is one of those rare franchises that gets better with every installment. It really is an anomaly in terms of franchises. And to see it come in with Christopher McQuarrie now, having done the last two, he's doing these next two. You can tell that this is a well-oiled machine and they know they've got to one-up themselves with every installment. It seems like that's the motivation here with this one as well. It's only part one. So I love the fact that we're getting Kitridge back. I mean, Henry Tierney coming back is so cool. And he's like on one, he's just he still has obviously hurt feelings around Ethan Hunt. And he's still trying to kind of lure Ethan back into his fold or on his side. Having Isai Morales be a part of this was a real surprise. Both guys coming up in the 80s, Cruz and Morales, as young actors in the 1980s, around the same age. So nice to see them kind of still doing their thing here in 2022. Um, all of it just felt really, really good. And I like the connections. And I have a feeling that we are going to lose Rebecca Ferguson. And that really scares me because it seems like Rebecca's going to die. And then there's a position that opens up, in essence. And Haley Atwell is going to slide into that position. Now, there's a shot with her holding the cross and she looks like she's dying. So that worries me. Um, and Haley basically is a passenger throughout this trailer. I hope no other trailers, we're going to get a little more of what her story is in the film, but overall great stuff. Nice shades of the first mission impossible, the train stuff, Henry Tierney, a couple other things that kind of give you an idea that we're kind of touching base with that, but overall fantastic trailer. Can't wait to see it. Mike. It's an amazing trailer. I my my I, my relationship oh, with no. the Mission Impossible movies is so interesting because it we talked about this a little bit on the text. Yeah, they're great. The Mission Impossible. I think everything John said is true. They get better and better. Every single one comes out. They are amazing. It's awesome. We sit in the theater. I go, oh my god, that's crazy. Holy shit, look at that. That was awesome. This was a great movie. Oh my god. I walk out of the theater and 20 minutes later, I, you, I don't know what happened in the movie. Like I, it, it literally, for someone who comes out of these other movies who can like tell you the entire history of the Galactic uh, Republic or you know talk about the MCU in such detail, I come out of these Mission Impossible movies and like, I'm not mad at them. It's not like I'm like, oh, that. I'm like, that was amazing. And then we get dinner and you'd be like, what did you think of that one part of the movie? I'd be like, what, what happened? What happened in it? Tell me about the movie. Like, I don't, I just don't remember. So I watched this trailer and I was like, yes, awesome. Look at that. He jumped off the cliff. I can't wait. And then I was like, what, what the hell happened in these other movies? Like, I have to go back and watch all the Mission Impossible movies. I, and it's not, it's not a ding on the movies as much as a ding on me. I don't know what it is about these movies that I'm like, they're all spectacular. I don't remember what happened. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Shannon? I mean, I had the same, I have the same reaction. Wow. <laughs> like, starting at 
starting at Ghost Protocol, mm-hmm. um, the the movies kind of really took off. And I, and I, and to me, to to this day, I think Ghost Protocol is still my favorite mm-hmm. um, because that was the introduction. I think of Simon Pegg's character, right? Yes. That was was yeah. that the first time we met him? Jamie, um, uh, whatever. His I, name I, is. I, uh, Benji. Benji. Um, yes. I I love the t- I love the the trio of Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, and Tom Cruise. Like mm-hmm. I was like that trio. I just I enjoy watching, but it's also the type of type of franchise that I'll see them once. I never need to see it again because it's like it's it's wow. a ride that I'll go on one time, and if I watch it again, which is what I did with. Oh my God! What's what was the last one called? It's not Skyfall. That's the Bond movie. Blackout. Oh, Fallout. 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 Yeah. Um. So Jesus. I, I, I know. I look. I mean, Mission Impossible is like James Bond for me. Like it's. I am just not connected to that genre for whatever reason. Um. Unless it's True Lies on CBS. Um. So. Well, I mean, <laughs> come on. We gotta have a standard. You gotta have a standard somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but watching watching those movies like i remember uh, i did go i i went to see fallout again i'm like oh man this is so awesome and it got to the end with that helicopter chase i'm like hey i i, I gotta go <laughs> but, but, but true but wait but the schwarzenegger <laughs> two lies on the jet with the dude sitting on the nose that you're okay with that no 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 it, it's it's not muscle. it's it's not a problem of me suspending my disbelief it's okay. just length after oh, a while, I'm like it's a wrong. lot. It's Those a lot movies. of movie. I mean, the whole Halo jump sequence, like that was amazing. And to know oh, yeah. that Tom, how how many of these stunts Tom Cruise is doing, uh, I'm like that. That's awesome. And like what was said, like this was this was a great trailer. I can't wait to watch this movie once and probably never again. Um, but it, it was awesome. I love Haley Atwell. Um, yeah. You know, she is she is one of my one of my recent favorite performers going back to first avenger so anything that she's in i will i will definitely check out and the idea that she could be as you uh theorized john that yeah. she could be a part of the team i'm like great this this will definitely keep me coming back and like i i give kalinowski grief about tom cruise ever since the first jack reacher where he did a shirtless shot and i'm like eh, maybe it's time to stop doing those um so i like to poke fun at kalinowski like kalinowski thinks i hate tom cruise i'm like no i don't i think tom cruise is actually a very very good actor very watchable i just think it, it it's okay to recognize like hey maybe i don't play this type of role anymore and especially with fallout he seemed to have embraced the fact that he's an older guy i mean that that yeah that it's fight in the up. bathroom yeah like there were a couple of great shots of him just kind of like oh god here we go again like i think that's what he needs to lean into because that's that's what's very entertaining right now it is i mean like like tom cruise is just an anomaly though like mm-hmm. i mean let's just call it like, like like i agree with you and i've had those moments where he's shirtless or running or you see him in a certain shot and you're like tom cruise you're getting up there like i don't know if you should be doing this anymore like you can't you can't really be playing these roles but fuck me because he clearly can like i'm excited to go see him do it like i can't wait to go see maverick this weekend and i'm like i saw him in the trailer and tom cruise is like yeah i'm gonna fly a jet or jump off a cliff or go to like tom cruise could be like i'm gonna go to space in real life and just record it and i'd be like yeah sure like tom cruise like he's just an anomaly he can do whatever he wants apparently and we are all gonna watch it yeah, you guys are gonna love it because um, what you spoke about in the um, that uh, attracted you in his performance in the last Mission Impossible film, uh, it elements of that are there in Top Gun Maverick for sure, and and I think that's what makes the film, in my opinion, superior to the original. As much as I love the original, I rewatched it last night with a bunch of my patrons because they hadn't seen it, 
Uh, we, we watched it together, and it this thing is it's because he's bringing he's made this change, this adjustment. He understands now all the criticism and all of that. I think the mummy really kind of shook him, and I think that could woke well, him up. The fact, like, good, because it shook the rest of us too, <laughs> for damn sure. But it's like this this is wrong. This is this doesn't look correct, and so. You've got to kind of embrace a little bit more. And it seems like he's been doing that more and more. And just a little bit about the box office before we wrap up here uh, on this topic. Now, Mission Impossible 2 made more than Mission Impossible 1, which is a, a heartbreaking statistic because it's the worst of them all. But uh, Mission Impossible 3 kind of coming back after the whole Tom Cruise, Oprah Winfrey situation, making $400 million. Then goes part of all, $694 million. Uh, Rogue Nation, $688. The most recent fallout, $787 million worldwide. So they're not stopping this train anytime soon. And I think this late in life, Tom Cruise has found his Scorsese in Christopher McQuarrie because McQuarrie yeah. is executive producer and did a bunch of um, uh, passes on the Top Gun Maverick script. And this guy understands how to use Tom Cruise effectively. If I was Tom Cruise, because I got a lot of money, I would not do another movie without Christopher McQuarrie involved in some way, shape, or form because he understands how to bring out the best in Tom and to let him be vulnerable and understand that it doesn't take away from his overall uh, strength and power as an actor and as a presence on screen. So, yeah. Wow. I think not for nothing. I mean, like, I'll, I, I think you're 100% right. But I think also there's the thing when you are a movie star at the caliber of Tom Cruise, mm -hmm. anybody, whoever it is, who you trust to tell you what to do, like, like, because yeah. these are people who like, any you you go in like no one's gonna tell Tom Cruise what to do unless Tom Cruise is gonna let you tell him what to do. Right. Like he's Tom Cruise. So if you find that person that you trust, that you're like, oh, this person can be like Tom, don't do that. Like this is what's good. Like ride that out as long as you can because right. I think that's the biggest thing about celebrity is you reach a point, whether you're in front of the screen or behind the screen, where you get to the point where like you're so big that either people are afraid to tell you when you're making a misstep or you just don't want to listen to them and so when you do find those relationships you stick with that yeah, yeah. it's like uh, schwarzenegger with cameron you know yeah. cameron is is one of the few guys that that can tell arnie <laughs> what yeah. to do and what not to do and and yeah fine i mean he found it later in life tom cruise with mcquarrie but yeah. you know i mean he found him and i bet he's not gonna let him go yeah or as Shannon will tell us uh, how McGee is um, with the, uh, you know, pilot of uh, True Lies. True Lies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. I mean, Mick T and Matt Nix have been working together quite a bit, but we don't need to go down that rabbit. <laughs> Mission Impossible Dead Reckon comes out July 14th, 2023. All right. There you go. That's our first three geek news items. It took us almost 50 minutes to get through. Let's just take a quick break and jump into talking about uh, the Thor Love and Thunder trailer that dropped just a couple of days ago. We'll be right back right after this. You got this one? Yeah, Sweet Child of Mine. Oh, was that? That was Sweet Child of Mine? Anyways. That's, wow. Uh, as someone I got of, it. of the three of us who wasn't in diapers when that song came out, I, I don't think you got it, but whatever. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> uh, Thor Love and Thunder trailer dropped uh, this past uh, Monday. I think Monday, wasn't it? Yeah, during the NBA playoffs uh, game between the Celtics and the Heat. And 
Um, this one brought the hammer and brought the fire really. Ah. Us, hey, giving us for <laughs> the God Butcher. Uh, there are first shots of Christian Bale looking a little bit different from the comics, but different faces were certainly seen for Gore the God Butcher throughout the trailer. A little more with Korg kind of telling the story as if he's sitting around a campfire. A lot more with Jane Foster as Thor. Still no reason why she's wielding the hammer or what's going on, but we see Mjolnir having the cracks in it from where Hela destroyed it. Being a part of it, we see more with uh, uh, with Valkyrie there, with Tessa Thompson kind of teaming. It almost seems like the Revengers have been reunited in a new format there with Korg taking Hulk's spot. Um, and then on the other end, Loki moving out for Jane Foster. And then we get a little more with Russell Crowe, who has a great moment with him, with, uh, um, uh, with Hemsworth <laughs> stripping off his uh, clothes there for everybody to fall and uh, faint about. But we also got to see some incredible visuals from Taika Waititi. I'm thinking of the shot where Thor is in the purple there near the end of the trailer, uh, jumping hmm. up there with Stormbreaker. I'm thinking of the shot, the black and white stuff with Gore the God Butcher fighting Valkyrie and her thunder. We see the Rams. We see all the goats and all that kind of stuff all through this trailer. So, gentlemen, what are your thoughts as you walk away, uh, having seen this trailer now, what are we getting from Thor Love and Thunder? I mean, it was so much fun. And, and I'm wondering if this is sort of the quickest turnaround from a teaser to a trailer that we've gotten. Maybe. Because it's only been like a month, I think, that, that the teaser came out. But just it just looks like it, it looks like so much fun. Um, and watching that interaction, uh, uh, you know, the, the discovery that Chris Hemsworth is funny. Um, and, and watching them lead into this or, or lean into it uh, for this trailer, like when Valkyrie asked if he's having feelings, and he's, what? <laughs> you know, that sort of uncomfortable, uncomfortable noises that that dudes will make when they're confronted with feelings. Um, it it just it just looks like it's it's going to be so much fun. I mean, I love how much in the teaser they leaned on the guardians, and in this yeah. one, we only saw a couple of quick shots of them. Um, Jane looks incredible. Uh, you could tell uh, Natalie Portman's been been hitting the weights, um, but just also that sort of that uneasiness that the, the two of them have chatting again more from Thor's side because you know according to uh, uh, the fan and Thor Ragnarok, Jane dumped him. Yes, um, but also that first look at uh, Gore the God Butcher. I mean, it, this he he looks like Mac Shrek coming out of Nosferatu. I mean, he looks. Incre he he looks so freaking scary, and it's it's just such a great uh, juxtaposition. This eerie, dark, black and white world that Gore lives in versus this vibrant color that Thor is coming from. Um, the moment where it, it it looks like right before their big battle, and he just kind of gives him this sort of weak little point, and Thor gives him that you know, all right, let's do this. That, that let's do this. Uh, yeah. Come hither. Yeah. Um, it, it it just looks like it's going to be such a blast. And watching how much uh, Mount Olympus is going to play into this, like my assumption was, this is going to be a quick, quick sequence. And based off of the trailer, it looks like they actually spend a little bit of time there. And I'm pretty sure Russell Crowe's doing trying to do a Greek accent. Is that what he's doing? Okay. I I think I, he I doesn't could, sing. I think okay. I, I oh god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I could be wrong, but that moment where you know now we see who you are, flick, <laughs> showing muscly butts is something Taika Waititi I think likes to do because yeah. you know he had it he had it with uh with a uh, Hulk and Ragnarok and now uh now right. with Thor as well. 
Yeah. Love and Thunder, the name of his cheeks. <laughs> the left don't get you, the right one will. That's the damn plus, he's got a Loki tattoo on his body. Yes, plus he's got the Loki tattoo, which gets overlooked because everyone's talking about the butt. But that Loki tattoo really <laughs> took me somewhere. I was like, oh. Here we go. Um, yeah, I think it looks amazing. I, you know, for the people that are like, you know, Gore the God Butcher doesn't look like he does in the comic. Like, okay, calm down. Like, okay, so Christian Bale has a nose, but like, look at how cool that looks. Like, just all the black and white, how like, it seems like whenever he's like using, whether it's when he's using like the, um, the, uh, what do you call it? The all black, the, uh, the, the, his, his blade, the all oh, black the sword, sword yeah, that he has. Sword, yeah, yeah. If that's like sucking the light out of every, like whatever it is, like it looks awesome. Like it looks really, really fantastic. And seeing, uh, it, it's a weird, like Taika Waititi does such a great job of balancing like extremes. So whether it's like Jojo rabbit, where you're taking like the, the horror of Hitler and the Holocaust and balancing it out with some real, like really crazy humor, here you've got like this rom-com vibe going on between Jane and Thor as they're reunited. And then you have this like epically dark shit going on with Gore, who is a character that, as he says in the comics, you know, the only the only uh, only gods care only about themselves. I vow to kill all gods. You know, like he's like he's got a whole mission here and just the craziness of everything that's going on. I mean, you've got all the cool stuff with Asgard. You've got Valkyrie looking bored and diving back into the fray. You have that awesome shot of Valkyrie fighting Gore. Everything's yeah. in black and white except her, and she's fighting him with Zeus's lightning bolt. Like, yeah. you're like, okay, well, I don't know how we get here, but that's amazing. And just for anybody who knows uh, the gore of the God Butcher story, like, it's, it's a pretty awesome and epic tale. And so here's this character who's showing up who actually has... Uh, a pretty awesome and interesting backstory in the comic that leads him to this journey that he's on that I'm sure we'll get some version of in the movie. Um, but it does seem that a big difference just based on this trailer is, you know, J Jane as Thor is not in that story. Like there's the mighty yeah. Thor story, which is the Jane story. And then there's, I think it's Thor, God of Thunder. I believe that's the, the gore, the God butcher story. Yeah. And so it does seem here uh, just based on the way the trailer is being cut together, that Thor and his relationship with Jane is sort of key to the defeat of Gore in some way. So I'm really curious to see how that's going to play. Yeah. Um, you know, they 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 haven't really explained why Jane gets the hammer in this story. And I do think, and we've talked yeah. about this a little bit, <clears throat> one of the things that I like most about the, the, uh, the mighty Thor story, the Jane becoming Thor story is the whole fact that Jane Foster has cancer. And just with everything going on in this version of the story, I either don't know if they're going to have time to do it, or I'm wondering if that's sort of one of the reveals of the movie that we sort of don't see her as Jane Foster without the hammer until there's some sort of reveal later on or something. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, but yeah, it's just like this trailer is just a wealth of riches and uh, you know, between the Guardians, Jane, Korg having a major role, Valkyrie having a much bigger role, Thor going through whatever his god life crisis is, and then Christian Bale, like, the faces he's got in this trailer, like, it, it's another one of those, like, I don't know how they're fitting all this in one movie, but with Taika Waititi, I'm pretty sure they will. Yeah, and the black and white thing works so well for Gore because, you know, you this idea of seeing the world is black and white. Gods are bad. I have to kill them. There's no question. There's no 
kind of uh, uh, issue or or struggle. And even near the end, he's like, I've never faced a God like you, which is a nice little moment there. But overall, this is what he's going for. And this is going to be fascinating to see that because I think that might be something that appeals to people. People might have an, like a connection to what Gore is is talking about. You know, people have defended Thanos, some people on the show, and some, some people have defended Killmonger. So we're seeing that the way they're solving their villain problem in the Marvel Universe lately is having some semblance of truth, or or you can understand their point of view, I guess, more than anything else. Maybe not agree, but certainly understand. And we may have this with Gore as we in our real world lives are looking at people in power and people who have, you know, kind of control of our country or our world kind of messing with that control and, and abusing that control. And so this idea, you can believe why someone would want to eliminate gods because gods are not getting involved with the lower uh, life forms or down on the ground yeah. life forms because they see everything from above. So you see that point of view. And I love that. Oh, sorry, Mike, you want to jump in? Well, no, I was going to say, just to your point, like, I mean, I, I, I think if you are, if you're on Twitter, everybody saw it, like that one guy who tweeted uh, a comparison of Zack Snyder's Zeus to Russell Crowe's oh, here Zeus we go. <laughs> and just got all bent out of shape about it. But to your point, I mean, there's a reason why this version of Zeus is going in the direction that it is, because yeah, yeah. in the story, uh, that is the thing is that the gods, it's not even that they are looking at everything from a bigger view or anything like that. Like in this story, Gore's beef is that the gods don't even care about human like yeah. hu hu humans or aliens or mortals in general are praying to gods and hoping for things and asking for things and it's not that the go the gods are choosing some or others it's the gods don't even care the gods are only interested in glorifying themselves yeah. and having their own squabbles and doing their godlike things so when you see russell crowe's depiction of zeus you're like yeah this seems like a character that kind of proves Gore's point. Yeah, yeah. And so as this whole, as we can tell from the trailers, this whole movie is like a journey of Thor figuring out who he is. And even in this version, Korg <coughs> opening up the trailer, kind of telling those aliens, uh, alien children, that story of Thor, who is yeah. like, you know, is this God and kind of talks to him, talk, refers to him as a God, like what it means to be a God and what yeah. it means to be a good God seems to be kind of central to what this story is going to be about. A great point, Mike. I also want to get that shirt that says "Dad bod to God bod." I want that shirt immediately. <laughs> that was a great moment. But yeah, you talk about Gore. He's connected to Null. Null is the creator of the symbiote. You know, he got his power and his all his mission kind of from Null. And so they don't have the kind of um, they don't have the rights to Null. So I wonder how they're going to adjust his origin stories. You mentioned earlier here, Mike, and you've got the Necro Sword being a part of this. How is this all going to work itself out? And then, of course, we get the Parliament of the Pantheons there at the end uh, where the a majority of stuff happens. At the end. And that may be where we see this connection of all the gods, because that's supposedly where the Greek and the Egyptian, which we got in Moon Knight, and other gods show up here in this Parliament of Pantheon. So this could be a really interesting way to tie all these disparate elements that we've seen in all these other um, properties under the Marvel umbrella into one place and kind of have the blueprint now going forward of how they're going to address these gods and how all of these gods can exist here at the same time um in the marvel universe yeah and yeah so to your point led the sword in the comic uh, yeah. the sword that gore the god butcher uses that gives yeah. him his ability to slay gods uh it's called the all black and it's the sword of null who is the god of the symbiotes which yep. is the venom people yes um, the venom people. and the but <laughs> but uh in 
in the origin in the storyline when they when they first introduce it, like Gore doesn't even really know what he has. He just finds this sword and he uses it. So you can see even with like the black tendrils and stuff around him, I don't know how much they're gonna lean into that or lean away from it. But the fact that that's where the sword comes from isn't necessarily super important to the story as much as just Gore finds this sword on a god that gives him this ability. So it allows them to sort of, if they choose for reasons to want to lean into that, uh, particularly now that we know at the end of um, Spider-Man No Way Home that there is at least a little bit of a symbiote in the MCU, they could. But also, I think if they want to lean away from that and just keep it completely sort of separate, they also could. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about the Pantheon of Gods, you're talking about that big sort of chamber that they're in yeah, in a couple parliament. shots with all yeah, 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 or the yeah, Parliament yeah. of Gods. Yeah. yeah the because like you do like they go into that. You know, you see Jane and Valkyrie kind of go into this big sort of chamber that has all those faces yeah. carved into the walls. And I think somebody pointed out online you can even see Uatu oh. from What If. Yeah. In the background, and I do think that's going to be really interesting because I wonder if. And maybe we don't at all, but is this where we start to see where the introduction of some of these other pantheons like in Moon Knight or um, the, you know, everything going on in Eternals at that cosmic level? Do we yeah. sort of get hints of where we're going with any of this and all these things coming together? Black Panther 2 as well. Black Pan Black, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. The connection there. Uh, yeah. The Living Tribunal is, uh, is in that sequence that you're talking about. You're seeing that. And that's the third time that's been referenced because it was referenced in Loki and Doctor Strange, too. So it could be curious to see how that that could. I mean, are we it's a lot. dude. <laughs> like It's a lot to me. I mean, I, I was initially for this. Yes, people are going to be involved. But now it's starting to become like really, really big. So in a way, they're going to have to kind of mainstream uh, streamline it a little bit so that you can at least have an idea to latch on to and move forward to the other storylines that are going through these properties. But it's a lot. Uh, so I wonder if this is their way well, of kind of bringing everything to here. It's kind of, you know, keeping it into one line. It could be here. It could be not. I mean, like it's a partially part of the reason it's a lot is because you have a bunch of assholes like us on YouTube going through these trailers and kind of talking about every single thing that we see and talking about what we think it is. But more often than not, when we actually get to the movie, the movies tend to be a little bit more straightforward and streamlined than mm -hmm. we're expecting them to be and really focus on the story at hand. So I think that even with Thor Love and Thunder, even if there's hints to these bigger things or if they go into this uh, parliament and they, you know, we kind of get the hint of the bigger cosmic elements. Yeah. I think this is very much a Thor and Jane story. You know, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot going on with Gore and his sword and this, the, all the statues. And does this tie into this and does this tie into the Eternals? But at the end of the day, this is a dude and his ex-girlfriend getting back together and going on an adventure. And I think that for Taika Waititi, that's the main thing that's going to make this work. And for audiences that are wider than just the core nerd audience, I think that's what's going to make this movie work. Yeah. Or the other side of it is that they're not maybe getting back together. They're just understanding that they had a great time together and they want to stay friends. And even that moment of them yeah. holding pinkies, people's like, oh, it's greatest rom-com ever. There's a real possibility that this is about Thor maturing past the idea of being with Jane because of what happened and accepting that that was a great time in his life and he really respects her now as a person, human being, and all of that. But it's time for him to move on and for her to move on separately. And that's also a good positive message to send out into the world as well um, after breakups. So it could be something. They could well, and there's also the possibility that both of them don't make it out of this movie. Oh, there's a strong <laughs> I, there's uh, Well, a I mean, Korg's telling a story yeah. in the past tense. 
<laughs> I mean, so there's certainly the possibility that True. one or uh, one of them doesn't make it out. And I do. Do I think they would kill Chris Hemsworth off? No, no. I think if you can keep one of those original Avengers whose movies are only getting better, I think yeah. they probably they probably want to hold on to him and and vice versa for Chris Hemsworth. I mean, outside of Marvel, he hasn't had the a, a true true hit. Um, so I think, and also the fact that he's, he's, he's getting to have more fun as Thor, that he's mm-hmm. found a really good partner in Taika Waititi that, that they will hopefully continue to be able to tell Thor stories, but there's no, there's nothing saying that Jane's going to make it out. I mean, there's no saying that Valkyrie is going to make, Korg, I think, Korg, I think is safe, but <laughs> Valkyrie, Thor, or Jane, any I one don't of know. those folks could, could go off the table. It would be a straight it would be a straight Taika Waititi move to give you a character like Korg that we think is hilarious and funny and oh isn't he great and actually give him a death that we're all bawling in the movie theater and going like I can't believe the Korg death got me. Like that's a that's a straight Taika move right there. He would totally you, do that. You know what's going to happen? Those alien kids aren't going to like the story. They're going to run them apart. <laughs> Go on with it. Go on with it. You can make it, man. <laughs> That's the best I got. I'm sorry. It's terrible. Uh, anyway, anything more to say on this trailer uh, as we as we wrap up? Anything more we didn't miss? We didn't talk about that you guys want to highlight? Well, I mean, they released the poster as well, and yes, they did. you know, Marvel does get dinged a lot for their Photoshop posters. And to be to be honest, I mean, this poster this is a Photoshop poster, but this is a Photoshop poster done really well. I mean, this mm-hmm. looks like the type of type of uh, uh, cover to like a VHS during during the eighties when you had the oh, proliferation yeah. of of, of uh, video stores. This is the type of movie that, as a kid, you you would have you would have seen that and been like, oh my gosh, what is that? I mean, it looks right. like. It looks like a heavy metal album cover uh, all the way back with the uh, Christian Bale uh, with his yellow eyes and his yeah. black spittle coming out of his mouth. Almost I mean, in the Vader position, almost in the Vader position of those old school uh, Star Wars. Trips, yeah. Uh, 100%. Yeah. 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 I love the confident look of Natalie here. It's so great. She's got that kind of you know, the hand, the arm resting on the knee thing is confident. Valkyrie sliding in Korg and the kind of almost in the. I don't know, almost Star Trek like, uh, you know, uh, when you're being transported, that kind of so, thing. And or 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 the Rainbow Bridge. Yeah, the Rainbow Bridge. The Bifrost is what you're trying to say. I think, like, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, sure. <laughs> check your check your Greek mythology. Check your North mythology. It's a Rainbow Bridge, <laughs> but but yeah, but no Stormbreaker. Well, because Stormbreaker allow like Stormbreaker is its own Bifrost. Like Stormbreaker, yeah, he true. can do his own. He can do his thing. Um, no, I do, but I do think you are right, and I think that one, you know, in, in as much as we're excited about what the trailer is showing us, I do think that there is probably some hints into what into what the trailer's not showing us. And yeah. even though we've seen Jane looking awesome as Thor and wielding that hammer and doing some really cool moves, particularly where she tosses the hammer and all the individual pieces of Mjolnir fly out to take out wow. those Greek guards and then come back, like that's a pretty badass move, but we're getting very little information on the why and the how of it all. And I think that to Shannon's point about what might be happening in the movie and what the story arc is like, I think that what's going on with Jane is probably a little bit of the heart of this movie that they're yeah. keeping in reserve. Yeah. That's a great point, Mike. I'm sure they're holding it. Cause I mean, Taika Waititi came out the next day after the trailer and said, we are following Jane's story from the comics when she got the, Hammer. So oh, he did. Okay, good. He did say. I was before. honestly, I was very curious because that's such a core part of what people love about her story, and just in watching everything they're dealing with here, I was like, are they really going to be able to service that? But that that does sort of make sense. I do think that 
Thor discovering why Jane has Mjolnir and what's happening and what's going on with her and not knowing that at the beginning, I think that's going to be a big piece of the heart of this movie. Uh, Shannon, anything more to say? We're good. Nah, man. I mean, I, I, this will be the first Thor movie without Loki. Yeah, well, he got his tattoo. So. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I strike the statement. He's there in spirit. <laughs> right next um, to Love and Thunder. Any surprises? Real quick. Any surprises? Any surprise persons do you think might show up in this? I mean, Wong is becoming the Samuel L. Jackson of the new phases. So you, you imagine Wong will show up in this? It's like, I would have no issue if Wong showed up. That would be yeah. great. You know what's great about this is like, I would have, I mean, it's we, we already know the Guardians are there, which is cool and gives us that sort of MCU connection. Yeah. But I mean, I love what Taika's done with Thor's universe so much that like, if anybody does show up, it's gravy. But right. I'm not going into this movie like, oh, I hope we see so-and-so. I hope we see so-and-so. Like, I'm just genuinely excited for this specific story. Yeah, and, and thinking that however long Thor's been gone with the Guardians, like a whole bunch of stuff has happened on Earth that he wasn't yeah. present for, uh, like Westview that Darcy was involved with. Do we get right. to see a Darcy-Jane reunion? Maybe, yeah. A Conchu appearance is possible. I mean, there's, there's a lot that could be in play here. For sure. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, there you go. That's our episode of the Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much for joining us. We appreciate it madly. Um, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Um, listen, if you want to support your friend Shannon McClung and his love for True Lies coming this fall on CBS, um, we have some things that you guys can do for us to help keep Shannon going until this show that he is so anxious for comes out. Um, so please hit the like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page and check out all the awesome content he's got there. Leave your comments below, particularly letting Shannon know how excited you are for true lies this fall on cbs um if you're listening to us on spotify or uh, apple podcast or anywhere podcasts are available leave us some stars leave us some comments particularly if it's about true lies coming this fall on cbs and the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it on your socials send it to your friends tell them to check out true lies coming this fall on cbs and that they should hang out with your buddies the geek buddies I mean, I like Shannon using our show as essentially a lobbying to be cast in that show in one of the upcoming episodes. I appreciate that. We were gonna, we were gonna, we were gonna push that trailer to the end and maybe cut it, but Shannon started off with it, so you know he's got to. He wanted it to make the show, so it made the show. Crafty man that he is. So I'm calling Ginger right after this. <laughs> uh, there you go. And a big shout out to Carbon Health who continues to support us here uh, for the uh, you know for the last few months. They've been so great and so. Go and support them. Go to CarbonHealth.com. See if they've got a clinic near you. You know, the numbers are going up with testing with COVID. Go and get tested. Go and get those test packs. They got them for a good price. I think it's two for nineteen ninety five. Go and get them. So make sure you're okay. You're not getting getting this thing. Uh, um, and also, you can go and get checked out with any kind of healthcare needs you need. Go and get it addressed there by Carbon Health. Get their app uh, on your phones. You Anything that happens healthcare-wise, you can go and use the app and see if there's a clinic near you or if you can get some virtual care uh, there. They've got 100-plus clinics uh, all over the country, 50-plus clinics in California alone. Get that doc in your pocket. Once again, carbonhealth.com. Tell them the Geek Buddies sent you. 
because we love you. All right, take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here from The Geek True Lies. I oh. mean, funny. <laughs> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.